0: Welcome to season two of the Aging Project podcast. I'm your host Shelley Craft and together we're here to uncover and explore the secrets to healthy, fabulous, vibrant aging. We've done the research and we've found the best guests ready to help you flourish at any age. So join me as I ask the big questions, your questions, to some of the world's leading authorities in health, wellness and lifestyle think of them as your own support aging mentors Um, a group of experts that are here to make the little changes turn into a big difference for us the aging project was created to help you age well to help us all age well together so welcome to the aging project podcast We've called today's episode, Cancer is Scary, so what can we do with Dr. Denise Warden? I think that pretty much sums it up because cancer is scary. Today, we're here to learn more about cancer, to understand how we can reduce our risk and hopefully offer the latest research to those impacted by cancer. This is a a vital topic, so let's meet Dr. Denise. We are joined today by the wonderful Dr. Denise Warden, all the way from Arizona, and she is going to have the answers to our deepest questions today. Dr. Denise, so lovely to have you with us.
1: Great to be here. I love Australia. I have been there, lectured there for eight hours. Literally, I gave an eight hour lecture that was being (laughs) translated into Russian. So after that was over, I got to explore Australia and loved it, loved the people too.
0: My goodness really my intro I know you have you wear many different hats uh, you've had many different lives in this journey of yours can you tell us a little bit about your life journey so far because it has been an absolutely fascinating one from I guess uh, growing up is one thing but news anchor then into politics and now a doctor so where did it all start for you Denise?
1: You know, I, I guess I was born uh, fearless. It would be a word that's been used for me. And I, I do think it fits because if I see a wrong, I want to write it. I may not be right, but I want to write it if I think someone is being taken advantage of or there's something that's not quite right. I've always not been afraid to speak the truth even if it meant that i might have to put on a little bit of armor for a while so that's been inherent in me um I, the reason why i was a news anchor and got into the news business was for something that i had done that i spoke up about and then the station said wait a minute would you like to have your own television talk show with nbc and i said sure so that's how that happened but as an anchor in news what i didn't like was trying to ask the question to get the answer that we needed for a sound bite in a reel. That means ask someone, how do you feel after their house just burned down? That didn't feel right to me. And I said, there's got to be a better way. So then long story short, went into medicine. Now I have amazing information and researchers and colleagues that I have a message uh, that, that can really help people. So that's the short story.
0: (laughs) So really it was all about a life purpose for you and that's what gets you out of bed in the morning, spreading
1: the word. That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: I've heard you talk about your mother and her medical experience. Would you mind sharing that story with us?
1: Sure, I was in my uh, first, uh, actually the first uh, quarter of medical school, and I was in the room with my mother getting a a medical procedure, and I watched when they did it, because I said, can I watch and learn? They said yes, and they used another scope, they tried one, it didn't fit, used another, and I watched as they were damaging, now I know, I didn't know then, as they were damaging the vessels, just trying to make the procedure to continue to go through. Mm -hmm. Again, to shorten the story, found that I was the one that said, she's not moving, there's something wrong, she's had a stroke. And they said, no, 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 leave it alone, she'll be fine. And I demanded, and now I've become a very big advocate for family and friends and some of my patients in the hospitals to demand the attention that needed to be done. So a medical mistake actually stroked her, a very healthy woman. Um, complete aphasia. She couldn't speak, couldn't use the right side of her body. We got her back in many ways with cold laser and other therapies. Mm -hmm. But it taught me that the medical system has its strengths, but a lot of weaknesses. And we do not need, and no one should ever be afraid to fire your doctors or to ask the questions and not be afraid that they won't be answered. If they're not, you should fire your doctor. Always you should be heard, your family should be heard, and we should feel protected and taken care of by doctors and physicians who may have forgotten what those words mean, which is healer and teacher. We should take the time to educate you in your health. That is
0: beautiful advice because often we go in there obviously feeling very vulnerable um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we expect these people, as we should, that they are extremely well-versed and educated in their chosen profession. But sometimes that gut instinct that you have yourself can be stronger
1: than any of that. That's right. And, and, you know, the doctors are doing the best that they can, but you don't want to forget that you're paying them for their medical expertise and what they believe. The next doctor may believe completely opposite. So at some point, you do need to educate yourself as much as you can. Use your intuition. Use that gut instinct, which is very real, by the way. We can scientifically look at it. We know where it is in the brain. We know how it works. It's real. Utilize that. Use that to make the decisions for your own health.
0: As a doctor, you actually have a a very large um, spiritual connection, don't you? And you believe that is such a huge part of healing. Let's discuss that a little bit because we often think that doctors take the clinical side of things um, and aren't allowed to let their spirituality or their their gut instinct uh, kick in when it perhaps needs to.
1: You know, we're really taught in medical school, don't let your emotions show. You need to be strong for the patient. You need to be that person in the white coat that the doc, that the person can trust. We're taught not to show the emotions. We're not taught not to get involved in the patient, in their emotions. And I have found that to be the most limiting thing in medicine. Mm-hmm. I want to know my patients from every level, not just physically, mentally, and emotionally, but also spiritually, because now... I understand their belief systems or their lack of and help them find something that where they can find something connected to something greater than themselves. Now we can get someone to 100% better because it takes all of those levels. You leave out one level, um, it's it's hard to get someone to better, no matter how good the physician is.
0: So we look at it as Disease being that disease within the body. And that does come from the inside. Um, do you believe that cancer is something that you just catch, that you contract? Is it hereditary? Are we all just sitting ducks waiting to be picked off by whatever cancer it might be? Or is right. it something that does start with that dis-ease within our own bodies?
1: Well, all of the above, I'm going to say, and so we know that only maybe 2% or 3% of cancers are actually genetic, so very few are. We've gone down the wrong track, studied the wrong thing, in my opinion, and people who are interested in this can read the book by Travis Christofferson called Tripping Over the Truth, and it's the history and the science of how we've really studied the wrong thing, and we are still doing so. It is a metabolic disease that means something has gone wrong inside the cell, in the metabolism of the cell. And that's what kickstarts most cancers. So is it genetic? A few are. However, can you catch cancer? HPV, um, Epstein-Barr viruses, there are viruses that have been linked to cancers. However, a lot of people have those viruses and don't get cancer. So what is the difference? Now we're back to the mind, body, physical, taking care of all those levels within our bodies. It's much easier to prevent cancer than it is to treat it and cure it, right? Mm -hmm. But all of these things play in. And I always teach that DNA is not your destiny. Epigenetics, the study of turning on good genes, turning down or turning off bad genes, that's where the study should be if we want to look at the genetic... Portion epigenetics, because we're in control of that. So we we have a lot of things that we can do in our lives to help prevent and help us not contract diseases, including cancer. So let's
0: start with that. Let's start at the beginning with prevention. Let's not get this thing at all. What, What does good cancer prevention look like to you?
1: Well, again, if you've got stress in your life, many studies have shown stress alone. It, it turns on what's called, we have an autonomic nervous system, and it's supposed to be in the middle, and we're supposed to be able to fight or flight when we need to, to run from the bear. Mm-hmm. And we should only do that maybe, I don't know, a couple times a month, run from the bear. Hopefully we get away. And then we, we don't <laughs> we're lie. not going to have to worry we about it at all, otherwise. <laughs> right, right. Right. So but what most people are doing in our lifestyles today, we're running from the bear all the time. Mm-hmm. So when we're turning in turning on that sympathetic nervous system, we're turning off the other piece of that nervous system, the parasympathetic and that is rest, digest, That is your sleep, that is your digestion, so you can get your nutrients, which we need to combat every disease, um, where we can do DNA repair, where we actually repair and we detox the body. You turn those things off, you're in trouble. Now we are in trouble and more at risk for cancer and other diseases. So we have to look at that piece. The stress piece is huge. Uh, What is the best way to eat? in general, shouldn't be eating sugar, shouldn't be eating a lot of the white things, which we know are bad. But some people, wine can actually be helpful for. Others, it can be detrimental. There are many tests that we can do now to be able to see what is the perfect uh, combination or different types of foods for you. Number one, which foods are not anti, um, that, that don't cause inflammation. So for me, identify the foods that cause inflammation in you. It's called an IgG test, delayed sensitivity. It takes 72 hours for some foods to cause inflammation. And they're not anaphylactic. You know those. If you eat... celery and you get hives and a rash, you rash, you know not to eat those. But the foods that cause a low level of inflammation all the time, those are important to, to identify. So don't eat the foods that you're allergic to. Don't eat the bad stuff that you already know about. We don't need to talk about what you should not be doing. But what I really would like to talk about is that I think we need diversity when we talk about eating the rainbow, it's real. Yeah. There are different vitamins and minerals with different colors and different types of food. So do you need to be do paleo? Do you need to do you know all vegetarian? It really depends on the individual, what they enjoy eating. But variety is the key because you're not only getting a variety of nutrients, you're decreasing the amount of the toxins, <laughs> pesticides, herbicides, chemicals that may be on certain foods. So if you eat the same food all the time, mm-hmm. you're, getting, you're making your glass more and more full with certain toxins and chemicals. So rotate your foods, eat the things you enjoy, eat more vegetables in general That's the key. More vegetables, more dark green leafy, and don't eat the white stuff. It's not that complicated, but I'm not saying that's easy to do.
0: I know. As you said, we've heard it a thousand times. Some of us are still ignoring it, but it's an absolute no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, I guess they're going to creep in every so often. If you're having your favorite curry, you know, you're going to have some white rice with that, and that can be, you know, that's okay. But on the daily...
1: That's right. That's right. And you should enjoy it because here's the thing. If you ate something that's going to cause some drama in your body and now you're stressed about it, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be eating this. Right. Uh, it's gone to put on five pounds. It's bad for me. Remember that sympathetic response? Your digestion shuts off. Your immune system is compromised. Now- You've got double trouble you ate something bad and you stressed over it so I say if you're going to have a cheat enjoy it and believe in your body that it can repair it can heal and get back to eating healthy
0: that is a lovely message mean? thank you then of course there is other ways to reduce your stress in your life and we have um, of course gone down the meditation path what is your practice yes. in that regard
1: I I do different types of meditation. Um, I like walking meditations and I like um, more breathing, more active, kundalini type of of meditations. I do quiet meditations as well. Depends on the day, but when you understand yourself, you know what your day is or where you are in that moment, where are you in that moment? Check in. You'll know what type of exercise that you need to do. But music is a big key. And um, I think it's, far underutilized for stress for mental health for many things and music is a beautiful thing my husband is Barry Goldstein who is a composer and a producer and he does a lot of the music and the products with um, Dr Joe Dispenza works with Nina Morjani works with many many others i could keep naming them and keep naming them but his intention and the science behind the brain wave and heart frequencies that he correlates within the music it's powerful medicine and it has no side effects. So we need to be using medicine, I mean, music more. So
0: you bring music into your meditation practice rather Absolutely. than just sitting in complete silence.
1: No, I like the guided as well. It depends. Yeah. Sometimes silence, but I like guided. That's me saying, okay, I've got a busy chatter mind today. It's going to be difficult or frustrating to try to clear my mind. So I'll, I'll, I'll choose a guided one that will guide me through or a active breathing one where I'm breathing and holding it in the different energy centers and bringing it up. So, you know, I've studied all kinds of different types of meditation. And when you're aware of yourself and your emotion in that moment, you can choose the proper meditation. And I'm actually laying down, I've got some that we'll be um, releasing soon. I have a meditation that I'm doing with Barry called Symphony of the Cells. And it was prompted by a lot of my oncology patients sitting in that IV chair, whether they're getting a vitamin C IV or they're getting chemotherapy. What are they thinking and doing in that moment and helping guide them through a visualization of talking to their cells and their molecules in their body. And so I'm excited to uh, release that very soon. I have a lot of my patients using it already. Denise, that
0: sounds amazing. Is that is that just for cancer patients no, or can, is there no. something you can use yourself?
1: Everyone can use. It's, it's, it's very good for that hour in that, that chair, but mm-hmm. uh, no, everyone can use. And a lot of my patients have really enjoyed it. Whatever their disease states are, whatever they're struggling with, it's really, again, bringing back the power of you, empowering you to know that the best pharmacy in the world is your own bodies. We don't have Pharmaceuticals or nutraceuticals that are nearly as powerful as the molecules that your own body produces. So, how does it produce it when we're in that parasympathetic, I'm okay state? There's no bears to run from. The body says, hmm, I'm not in survival mode. What can I do now? It's in when it's in that repair state. That's when we see literal miracles happen. And I'm going to say miracles because. We can call them spontaneous remissions. We can call them, we don't know what happened. It doesn't usually happen in medicine, but the things that happen that are outside of normal happen. When people, especially oncology patients, have gotten to the place where they're not afraid of death, they're not afraid of the cancer, they've let the fear go because they've been able to connect so deeply to something outside of themselves that it doesn't matter, that they know it's all okay. It's going to be okay. And everyone needs that, whether we have cancer or not. A daily practice to get you to that state, even if it's just for five minutes, to remember what it's really all about, what it feels like. And when things go south in the middle of your day, which they always do, right, to be able to know that you can always go back to that peaceful, connected state and know it's, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I
0: don't think you can call um, remission a miracle in, in your profession when you've seen this happen time yeah. and time and time again. So you right. really do have a, a strong belief and backup for the fact that as you were just talking about, working through, I guess, again, back to that spirituality of I'm not actually afraid of what's happening to me anymore, There there comes a place of peace with that and some would say, well, that's the end of my journey and I can now move on, or it's just the beginning of my healing. And are are you sort of out on, are you out on a limb with this, Denise, or has modern medicine actually caught up to your practice now?
1: No, this conversation is not new anymore. You know, I've had, I asked about a spiritual connection on my intakes with my new patients 25, 30 years ago. Nobody was asking then. Mm -hmm. I was the first one to ask, but people wanted to talk about it patients or clients, whoever I'm working with from all over the world, it didn't matter. They wanted to talk about it, even if they didn't have a spiritual practice. So they wanted to have someone that they felt that they could could speak to this about. So no, I'm at really not out on a limb. It's still not considered part of mainstream. It's not taught in medical school to ask your, your patients, uh, do they have a spiritual connection? But there's so much science and a lot of studies behind it now. Um, even if we're just saying relaxation, whatever we want to call it, there's enough data now for us to know. That it's real, you know, and I design and conduct clinical research, and I work with major institutions from all over the world. And so now I can bring up some of the topics, that topic in there, even though we're still studying molecular or I'm got a cold laser study going with frequencies, I'm very science based. To me, science and spirituality are connected mm-hmm. and 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 they're not distant from one another. And so, yes, I can have this conversation with the right people at the right time.
0: And we're not just talking about religion connection, spiritual connection here, are we? Everyone must have some sort of belief um, in themselves even.
1: That's right. So, you know, sometimes religion can get in the way, and I'm not saying don't go to church. If you enjoy that and it brings you peace and connection and community, that's Mm -hmm. fantastic. But sometimes the rules and the regulations that come with religion put a stop to the ability for a person to grow spiritually. And that's individual, and it depends on you know the belief system to start. But I'd ask patients, do you have a spiritual belief system? They say, yes. I, let's say they're Catholic. They say, I do my rosary every day. I do this and this, and I pray every night. I read my Bible, and I say, but do you feel connected to God? Because that's their belief system. You know, to say, do you feel connected to God? Well, but I do this and this. I'm following all the rules. That wasn't my question. Do you feel connected to whatever your belief system is? And then they will cry and say no. So it's just an opening for people not to necessarily leave the religions, but to dig deeper. You know, if they're Jewish, what about the Kabbalah? If they're, you know, there's deeper ways to find a spiritual connection with or without religion. And I find that music and meditation is similar to prayer. And you can swing it any way you want into your belief system. But finding that and experimenting and playing with it is a beautiful thing. And people, when especially oncology patients, when they've been given what they consider a death sentence, they're facing the mortality. They are searching at that point. But if they're searching out of fear, it's different than searching for, this is an opportunity. And I will tell you that my, I call them thrivers, not just survivors. They are thriving. Those that should have been gone a lot, many, many, many years ago. They're the ones that say cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me because it woke me up. Now I'm just not mom, I'm just not wife, I'm just not CEO of the company. It woke me up to find me, to know me, and it was the best thing that ever happened. And I would hate it, to think, you,
0: yeah, yeah, hate to think you need that kind of of wake no, up call, which okay. again comes back to that prevention, doesn't it? That's and right. It does, that- but
1: sometimes we need a wake up call. I hope it's not cancer. Maybe yeah. a wake up call is, you know, you stubbed your toe, but something that says, "Come out of the dream, come out of this, who you think you are in this world, and really know who you are."
0: Our wake-up call we- is our chat with you, Dr. Denise, today. And again, back to that simple fight or flight. If we're forever living in that uh, that stage of running from the bear, you're never at peace and your body is never at peace. So back onto the prevention, one of the greatest things you can do is find moments in your day of peace, whatever That's that right. is for you.
1: Beginning your day and ending your day are the two most important times. When you get up in the morning, if you put your feet on the ground and you're flying, you haven't even woken your body or sense your spirituality, anything into that day. Take a five minute process. Do something. Listen to a song. Do meditation or prayer or something. Start your day in that mode and before you go to sleep at night try to do that as well because many sleep challenges people can go to sleep but they wake up in the middle of the night usually around three or four um, because you're breaking through subconscious all these thoughts and things that are bothering you in your day that you stuffed are still bothering you so they're going to wake you up in the middle of the night so if you can let go of things and feel that connection again before you go to bed it's very powerful. And sleeping and, you know, I have the seven pillars of health that I that I teach and that you should be checking in on those pillars. You should be rating yourself a scale of one to 10 and doing it often to say, hmm, is something off? Maybe I don't need to be ignoring that. Maybe I do need to go to my doctor or maybe I need to meditate more. I need to go walk in the forest. Something is off because we ignore these signs and symptoms that our body gives us and think well that's normal it'll go away we need to be more in tune with our bodies our minds our spiritual our relationship all all of these basic pillars
0: let's start with that back to the beginning which is cancer and so Mm. many people you know go to the doctor not knowing they even had it and could be so far down the track I mean, I find it because I luckily I have, have never been touched by it personally, but how can you not know what's going on in your body with cancer? What is cancer and should we be able to feel it somewhere in our mind, in our body, in our gut?
1: You know, I would have generally said, not necessarily, if you don't have a tumor that's large enough to be pressing on something for you to have signs and symptoms, you may not know what's there. But generally, most people start feeling a little fatigued. They forgot what good energy feels like. What a 10 Mm. feels like. It slowly was coming down, or sleep challenges, or their bowel movements are off. You know, little symptoms that keep coming and keep, keep coming and get ignored. Most of the time, it's rare for me to find a person that says, I was extremely, extremely healthy. Now, they may say I was a runner, I was eating healthy, I was doing all this, but when I ask them, pin them down on the seven pillars, there's usually a few that were not at peak and we're being ignored. The body's wise, it's going to give us some signs and symptoms and it might just be, I don't have the energy I used to be. And the the adage of, oh, you're getting older. I That's not allowed in my practice. I have 98 <laughs> year olds and 90 year olds that are, you know, my dad's an example at 88 golfing three days a week, uh, 18 holes, yoga, Pilates. That's the way we're supposed to age. So age is not, we may slow down a bit, but we should be able to do everything we wanna do. But, too often, we ignore symptoms or signs that our body is giving us. So what are those seven pillars? First is sleep. We must sleep, and you know you need to get an eight to nine hours of good sleep. When I say good sleep, it's deep sleep, REM sleep. Maybe you need to wear a wearable or an aura ring because people say, "Well, I slept through the night, but I still get up. I'm a little bit tired. I need to know what's going on in that sleep. It's imperative." Um, next, we I've already kind of brought up a bowel movement. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it becomes the most popular topic. Um, so, what is a normal bowel movement would be the first thing. It really should be from your Your wrist to your elbow, that long. And it should be about as big around in the middle as your wrist. Should be medium brown color, a soft log. It should be formed into a log, easily passed. Medium brown doesn't smell bad. If it's not there, and and every day, if it's not there, don't think, well, it's just kind of normal. It's just me. No, there's something that's not allowing your body to eliminate like it should. That's a big one when it comes to health, because the brain gut connection is a whole nother topic that we could talk about. But that affects your mental, your brain, your immune system is modulated in your gut. That GI health is huge. And a lot of people ignore it. We need normal bowel movements. Well, there's um, so much, sorry, week. just on that quickly,
0: there's, yeah. there's so much disinformation about that, whether they float, whether they're pebbles, whether they're this, whether they're that. If it's <laughs> yeah. two days a week, if it's five days a week, if you do four yeah. a day, I mean, it seems the range of normal in inverted commas is, is very broad, but you're saying no, daily, soft uh, log, wrist to elbow, that's the length of your foot, by the way, people's. <laughs> Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just so like my that, giant ridgeback does
1: daily. Right. <laughs> on the day when you travel, things may back up, especially women. I'm going to write a book called "The Little Brown Book About Women When They Travel." It just <laughs> it. is going to back. It's just going to happen, right? But, but it doesn't happen to men, which is interesting. And men go, yeah. When you talk about the link, they're going, yeah. Women go, hmm. You know. I'm not sure I've ever had that. Some do, but you might skip once in a while. But generally, your body should eliminate every day and disseminate. Does it need to float? Does it need to sink? It depends on what you ate. So don't get fanatical. Okay, that's not a big deal. That's not a break. Okay. Yeah, Don't, don't, don't get too much. Just say if most days it looks like that, then you're in good shape right, then you're in good shape. So we don't want to overanalyze it. But if something is wrong, I mean, I um, studied parasitology with the world's leading parasitologist many years ago. And still, I think for a lot of uh, internal medicine or integrative medicine, I know a lot about parasites compared to most. Um, I have people that have no GI symptoms whatsoever, Mm -hmm. and they have parasites. So, you, you know, we've got to really Really understand sometimes theirs is just fatigue, so I'm bringing back into this energy level. Mm -hmm. But bowel movements are very big. The microbiome, the bugs, it's it plays into cancer. We know it. There's certain probiotics we think that we'll be starting to use. We'll eventually one day get where we have a certain strain of probiotic that will be used for a certain type of cancer. Mm -hmm. It's already been. It was uh, what six years ago when I was going to the um, you know research conferences with the researchers. We're getting close. So, using the bugs, working with the microbiome for mental health, immune system, cancer, all the things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, that's an important one. Yes. Body. It's not about your BMI. It's not about how you look. It's How you do you feel? Do you take care of your body when you look in the mirror? Are you flabby? Are you soft and you hate it and you're weak? There's a problem. If you're at a 10 and you go, listen, I don't have the body of that model, but I, for me, I am in good shape. I am strong. I feel good. That's where we want to be. And if you're not, what is it? exercise. What it, you know? There's reasons mm-hmm. in, in finding that and have all kinds of things that we dig in to find the reasons why it's not perfect. But uh, body is an important one. Energy level, scale of one to 10, you should wake up with good energy. You should have energy throughout your day, not crash in the afternoon. You should go to bed at night with a calm, good energy, not a wired, mm-hmm. tired and wired, we call it. Mm-hmm. Energy inappropriately Letting your body hormone hormonal-wise know where your cortisol levels should be at different times of day, where that pattern is. Knowing those hormones is huge, but energy should be good. It, it shouldn't be, well, I'm just getting tired. Well, I work too much. I get, need to find the reason why that's not, not good, mm-hmm. right? Um, your mental state are you happy? Yes, you're going to get upset over things. Yes, you're going to get mad. Those are normal emotions. But do you feel in control? Do you feel generally happy? Uh, Do you uh, handle those emotions well? Do you have clarity in your thought? Are you forgetting words? Is your cognition there? Checking in on your brain. How is it working for you? And making sure that you're kind of looking at all the different pieces um, in the way I I teach it on the different brain levels is, is your brain really at, at the amount of function that it should be right now? Now, if you're not getting enough sleep and you're under a lot of stress, we'll forgive the brain. But if it's happening a lot, there's something else underlying, right? Relationships a big piece. We don't talk about it, and we certainly don't talk about sex in doctors' offices. Even in gynecologist OBn, they don't even talk about um, uh, where's your libido in your sex life. It's rare for them to ask about it. And and you know we should be asking women: Are you having pain? Is it painful to have mm-hmm. intercourse? And then you got to know: Is the entrance is it back? There's a reason for it. It is not normal just because mm-hmm. all your friends have that to have pain with with sex, with intercourse, it is not normal. And that's something that I, I, I really want to talk about is that there's common and there's normal. A mm-hmm. lot of things we're talking about, bad poops, bad sleep, bad sex, not having an orgasm. Those are common, but they're not normal. And we need to stop telling ourselves, well, it's common. Everybody else has this issue. Yeah. Relationships. If you feel alone, you don't have friends, family, colleagues, you don't have anyone you just feel solitary alone, That would you'd write yourself a one. A 10 would be you've got a good tribe around you, you feel supported, and you know if something goes awry, you've got a good team around you, support, and you're having great intimacy. And it doesn't mean you have to have a partner. I'm talking about intimate with yourself, loving yourself. Where is that libido and where is that sexuality? It's a part that we need to talk about more.
0: I think we need to put that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in our journaling, don't we? You know, we might do it, have a gratitude journal. We might just journal in the mornings when we wake up. It's something we've spoken about here yeah. in the Aging Project. Yeah. And I think maybe yeah. once a week you've got to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven too, and just check I, those out. Know, so I'm when you go to easy, the doctor, you yeah, know you can take right. that with you and go. January, yes. I was yes. feeling good, and now I'm at a two. You know, that's where the, well, that's where it's gone wrong.
1: That's exactly right. I'm doing a free ebook that it'll come out at some point when it all gets done that everybody can do is just that checklist and give some, you know, some options of things that you might think about doing if they're off. But here's the problem. When you go to your doctor and you say, listen, my energy's a little less, they go, they're thinking in their head, well, so is mine. Mm-hmm. Too often symptoms get dismissed until they're so severe that now they have to start looking. How many times have I had someone in front of me, I see something on the lab that just got dismissed for a long period of time and it fit their symptoms. And they're like, why did my doctor not see this or bring this to my attention? Well there's lots of reasons. Sometimes there's nothing to do for it in traditional medicine. There is maybe on the alternative side, but sometimes we have it on both systems. But sometimes it just kind of gets pushed off until it's so major, nobody can ignore it anymore. And that's not great medicine. We need to be listening. You know, the tribesmen, that, the, the, the leaders that used to only get paid when you were well, you know, if you were sick, you, the the you know the 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 healer didn't get paid, so you know we've kind of got it backwards here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we need to listen, and when you say something's not right, and your doctor goes, "Ah, your labs look fine," they're doing a basic CBC, chem panel. They're looking at this much of you, this mm-hmm. much. There's a lot more. And and too often uh, we're told, oh, you're fine. But patients will come and say, "Uh, you know what? I know something's wrong. I feel it. I know it. And then we look deeper and we find it.
0: So it's really up up to us individually to to keep on that. And again, as you said, in the very beginning, if you're not getting the answers that you want, if you're not feeling confident in the diagnosis, get rid of them and start again.
1: That's exactly right. Try another doctor. Try another mm-hmm. doctor. And there, there's so much in telemedicine now. You know, we all work, well, most of us, we work with people from all over the world. You don't even have to be here. We say, go back to your doctor. This is what I do a lot. Go back to your doctor and make them run this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And then we find things. You can still use your insurance. You can still use the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it needs to be guided. And sometimes the doctors just need to know there's another integrative doctor looking over their shoulder you know, and helping this patient ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. So Or spending the time with the person to know what they need to tell the doctor. Because a lot of times they're not telling them the things that need to be heard. And doctors in a five, 10 minute visit can only hear so much. You know, when we when I work with a patient at the beginning, it's a good hour. If they're an oncology patient, it's usually two hours. Mm -hmm. I need to know everything so that I can help them make their decisions for all the different treatments that are out there, be it traditional or alternative or a bridge between the two. Mm-hmm. My job is to educate oncology patients or others as well, but oncology is particular, what are your options? What do we know and not know about all of these therapies? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of misnomers on in a lot of it. And so being honest to say, we don't know this yet, but we think this, you know, like apotherapy, bee venom injections, Um, that's something that I'm utilizing. I'm not treating cancer with it, but I'm treating patients who have cancer um, uh, because I've been using it for uh, 25 years for autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, many diseases with fantastic effect. Now we know the mechanism of action. We know how it works. We know why it works. We know it pokes holes in a cancer cell, at least in a mouse. (laughs) I've been working on humans in it for a different thing. So it's, We need to tell the patient, scientifically, we know the rationale. We know the mechanism. We know how it works. Hasn't been used in humans yet. Well, has been now, but at the time. And if this may help you with your sleep, your inflammation, and that's why we're doing it. So always being honest. There's a lot of cancer clinics that some come pay me $40,000. People are 2nd mortgaging their homes. They're going to another country. They're flying in there. They're all doing the same stuff, and it's not really individualized. Everybody, no matter what type of cancer, is getting the same alternative treatments. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not great medicine. It should be individualized. Look at each person individually. Where are the pieces that need to be looked at? What's their belief system? What are they willing to do is hyperbaric oxygen, ketogenic, all the metabolic therapies. What are the ones that will fit with this type of cancer? When we know the type, we know we look at the pathology. That means we look at how aggressive is it? How fast is it? And then it's a, what is the patient willing to do? Where's the belief system? You know, they. I've had patients that come that were traditional doctors that said, listen, I just want you to work on, just, just talk to me about maybe my diet while I'm going through traditional care. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. We start out there, but evident, you know, ultimately they start hearing about a lot of other things and repurpose drugs. And we start, you know, playing outside of that field. And then I have alternative people come and say, I will not do surgery. I will not do chemo. I will not do radiation. And I always start out with, please, Try not to make your mind up yet until we look and discuss all of your options so you're very clear. Because what I don't want is that you to come back later and say, "Ooh, I would have chosen differently if I would have known more. And that happens on both sides of the fence, both in standard of care and in alternative. People just don't know. They're afraid. They're thrown into a system. In five minutes, you have cancer. They're scheduled for chemo, radiation, and surgery within the next week or a few days, and they were going, I don't even know what I have. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. That's not a good way to go into any severe treatments. You need to be aware, educated, and you made the choice. Mm -hmm. My belief system is whatever you believe. Once you're educated, you know the odds. We don't know this. We do know this. We know this has a 60% chance, blah, blah, blah. When you know that, The one you believe in is the one that will work the best. It may not be what I would have chosen. My job is to educate. Then whatever you choose and you believe in, that's the best. Because remember the most powerful pharmacy? It's not any of the other stuff we're talking about. It's what the body produces. So the patient has to really understand and believe and not be thrown in fear. You got to do this or you're going to die. And and the doctor doesn't know the patient's name and the patient barely knows their doctor's name. That's not, you know, if it's life threatening on a a tumor on something that's life threatening, we've got to take care of it in the media. But most cancers, we've got time to educate to make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. So the patient decides for themselves.
0: Obviously, all cancers uh, are very different and, and how they spread and where they start. But is the actual first little cell disruption the same in all cancers?
1: Yes. And so that's where the metabolic theory of cancer comes in. It's, you know, when you get a PET scan, a PET scan has... Um, If there's cancer there, they light up because they put the dye, you know, it's a dye that's radioactive dye in your veins and wherever it's lighting up, that's metabolic activity. What does that Mm -hmm. mean? Cancer loves sugar. That is its thing. So when we put sugar in the body and the cancers grab it, they light up. Metabolism is there. We get to see where the cancers are. That was a long time ago. uh, Dr. Warburg saw that, noticed it and said, there's a connection here with cancer and this sugar, and this metabolism thing. So now Dr. Tom Seafried at the University of Boston is doing some amazing studies. Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, funded by the Department of Defense in America and works with NASA and uh, the our super soldiers, our Navy SEALs. His goal as a neuroscientist was how do we put them under extreme pressure, mental, emotional, physical, and keep them healthy? Well, guess what? He found apoptosis, the killing of cancer cells because we all have cancer cells, right? So he was seeing that, and that's how the worlds kind of collided into here. We've got extremely fit, you know, top of our <laughs> as good as you can get physically, emotionally, mentally. People mm-hmm. and cancer patients, what they have in common: the metabolism, the mitochondria, the powerhouse inside the, the cell. Remember that from <laughs> yeah. biology? But yeah, yeah, mitochondria. <laughs> ATP energy of the cell when that gets disrupted, it causes uh, the cell to have a glycol. I won't get into the technology of it, but it causes the cell to be disrupted when that happens, cancer happens. So many of us, and I think uh, in time we will be able to really prove it. Although we've, I, I feel that we've gotten to the point where we have proven it that cancer is a metabolic disease, it's a metabolic disorder. There will not be one type of a cure. You have to hit it from all these angles, oxidative, nutrition, stress, all these pieces need to be. And that's how we treat our patients with the metabolic um, uh, therapies. Sometimes they're in doing chemo as well. Sometimes they're doing surgery as well, but we can help them have less, uh, have better effects with even the traditional care. They can use less and get better effect. That that means the chemo works better. Radiation works better. Heal better after the surgeries when we're doing these metabolic therapies, but they can work on their own. We have patients that have only done metabolic therapies and are doing extremely well, especially glioblastomas. It's the fastest uh, cancer that we've got. It's a brain tumor and very uh, amazing That we can even adjust that at all, lengthen the life of that at all. And there are survivors out there, years and years, that are still going with glioblastomas. And that would have been unheard of years ago. So we're, we're trying to hit it from that cellular disruption, not, oh, sorry, you got it. You know, it's genetic. They do the genetic markers to see which chemos might work. That's valuable if you're doing the chemo route. That's valuable. But very few cancers are genetically caused. so so
0: back to that, if it attaches to sugar, um, I'm assuming if you have a low sugar diet, your body still produces sugars, doesn't it? All, all, all glucose within your cells somewhere. But does that, again, come back to your stress levels? Do you produce more sugar? You're a
1: smart girl. You're oh, a step no, ahead. Okay. You biology. <laughs> there, you, there you go. You're a step ahead. There are two. So we put people on a ketogenic diet. They are perfect on their diet. They're having a hard time getting into ketosis because mm-hmm. if you don't have that free-floating sugar, they were starving the cancer is kind of the way to say it. It's a, yeah. it's a bad term, but that's it but they can't quite get there. It's because they're stressing and your body will cause glycolysis. It will pull that from your muscles because guess what? You've got to run from the bear. You're in survival mode. What's it going to choose? Right now, survive that bear Mm -hmm. or fight cancer. It's Mm -hmm. got to choose. It's going to choose survival every time. So you must work on the stress and don't have the sugar in the diet, right? You've got to do both.
0: Oh my That's goodness. What I'm Denise.
1: You've got to work yeah. at all the pieces for it to to do its real job.
0: That's it. So w- when we say cancers on the rise and it seems to be everywhere and touching everyone and every family and every continent, is that down to at uh, the stressful lives that we're living or that elevated stress or is there more reasons we're seeing more cancers now? A super quick pause in our conversation. Have you heard the news? The Aging Project has a sister platform called You Must Try It. It's come about because like you, we want to age well, but that means knowing which products or brands to buy. And let's face it, with so many products on the market, it's becoming harder to choose. So with the guidance of our in-house wellness team, we are doing the research for you. You'll only find tried, tested and loved products on youmusttryit.com. So if that's of any interest, go and sign up. We'd love you to join us. Okay, let's get back to our chat.
1: Well, you know, cancer has been around forever. We find it in the mummies. It's not a new thing. Mm -hmm. Do we know if there's more now than there was then? Not really, Um, but we 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 do know you know what used to be one in three people now kind of one in two. If you're a woman, you've got pretty much a one in two and a half chance of having some type of cancer. It might be just scan cancer, but some type of cancer in your life. A man's one in two. You got a fifty percent chance. Now is that growing? Um, it that's those stats have been sitting there a while, but it seems to be that we are seeing more. Are we just catching more?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are we catching them now? whereas we didn't before, or is cancer really becoming more prominent? And most of us think that it is, and it is our diet, our lifestyle, our lack of exercise, our poor diets, our stress, it's its playing into it. Our hormones are a mess. We, uh, we do these specialty hormone tests that we can look at not just your level of estrogens, testosterone, or progesterone, but where are they converting? Are they going down a pathway like, 16 hydroxy that one causes dna damage that's aging (laughs) to your show that's aging and that is uh, cancer that's what that pathway we can see those metabolites now we used to not be able to see it and we can use natural things to block those pathways Mm -hmm. so we've gotten better at seeing things you know, people come in and they're on they're on hormones. And I said, well, let's just check and see where those are going, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what they are really doing. They say, am I safe to do it? And so I said, let's see what we can see. Let's see how far we can see Mm -hmm. and block if we can. So to answer your question, I don't know that we really know yet, but I believe we do believe it's on the rise. Mm hmm.
0: So the idea, I guess the best idea is to create a really poor environment within our bodies for cancer to survive, which ultimately means having a great, well-rounded life, diet, um, limiting that stress, having a good spiritual practice, giving time for yourself, all of those things. Um, ketosis obviously plays, plays a huge role in that. And that can be something um, as simple as your intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, where do ketones? I haven't quite grasped what key to the difference between ketones and <laughs> ketosis is in, in that regard. Yeah.
1: Ketosis is just the state you get into when your body's making ketones or you're right. you're taking ketones. Mm-hmm. Ketone bodies are formed when the body doesn't have any sugar. It looks around for uh, if it says, you know, so first of all, cancer doesn't eat fat or protein, its only fuel is sugar. So, If you does if there's not enough sugar around the body goes, what am I going to use for my brain energy, for energy for the body? I have to have energy. So it converts, it starts burning fat. When it burns fat, it makes ketone bodies. And by the way, those are clean fuel. Your brain loves it. That's why in neurological diseases, Parkinson's, ALS, MS, all of these brain path, um, Alzheimer's, we're seeing really good effect with ketogenic diets from a brain standpoint, because ketone bodies are clean fuel. It's like the high octane. It's better. It's a better, faster fuel. But if you eat sugar and carbs, your body goes, Oh, I don't have to produce any ketones now. Okay. Right? So, so
0: actually starving the body for a little while in your fasting creates ketones. And then you got it burning so fasting. That, right.
1: Can, that's right. Fasting creates ketones, but we can't fast all the time. So that's why the diet high in fat. So again, a lot of people say I'm doing ketogenic diet. And I say, are you in ketosis? Well, I don't know. I think so. I said, well, (laughs) first of all, if you're not testing, you don't know. And don't do it if you're not going to do it right. Because a lot of people go and try a ketogenic form of diet and it's unhealthy. They're not getting enough vegetables. They're decreasing their carbs because they can't have enough vegetables. If you're going to do it right, you have to have high fat. We're just talking 70, 75% fat, good oils. That's avocados, coconut oil. You have to work hard to get enough oil. You have very little protein. People think it's an Atkins high protein. It is not. It's lower protein, and we adjust it per person, type of cancer, where they're at. If they're losing weight, we have to adjust it. (laughs) But in general, ketogenic diet is high fat, low protein, and super low carbs, and no sugar. That's what the diet is.
0: That's tough to stick to all year round, isn't it?
1: Well... Not now, because there's so many great recipes, and we've got monk fruit sweeteners, and you can make fat bombs, and they're better than a Reese's cup. There are so many good. Things out there that you can make that are high fat, that are yummy. No, it's, it used to be harder, but now so many people have come up with great recipes. There are, um, there are companies that will deliver your meal. It's $5 for a ketogenic meal and they're yummy and they're great. And I, I, we have gotten past that. It is not that hard. When you eat out, get a ribeye. <laughs> you don't get <laughs> french fries and potatoes, but you get a ribeye, t- a slab of butter on the top. You know what to do when you eat out, but when you're at home, mm-hmm. no, you're not deprived and you feel so good. And then what happens? You go out, you have that piece of cake, it's a birthday or whatever, and you go, oh, Chilo, I'll get back in. And you can get back into ketosis, but you feel so bad for two days. You eventually come to that. yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. So, you know. How much you do it. Do you want to do intermittent fasting? Do you want we, we, again, that's the individual. Mm -hmm. What are they willing to do? What do you like? What do you enjoy? Because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. It's a flop. It's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So to be successful, something that is easy, that you enjoy, that you feel good on. Now we've got compliance. Now people will do it. And ketogenic is, at this point, there's so many things. And you have to read labels. Everything's got keto label on it, at least in America. Mm. And it's not. You read the label and you're like, this isn't even close. So you have to be careful. But when you follow the recipes correctly and all, it's it's yummy. And if nothing else, if you don't do keto, don't eat a lot of sugar, eat less carbs, and eat more veggies. That's it.
0: We're on to that. Can you see the end of cancer? in your lifetime?
1: I believe we can because we've got so many, these metabolic therapies that we're starting to do are phenomenal. We're we're seeing things with patients that were, were not thought that we could do. Um, we're learning more every day. We're learning about all these ancillary therapies that people are doing, the finbendazole, hyperbaric oxygen. We're getting the timing. It's about timing and dosage. But we do believe that for most cancers, there's going to be a few. I mean, I just had a Young patient with a Ewing sarcoma. He came to me; it had already metastasized. It was too late. That was going to be a hard one, you know. And I and I lost him. I kept him alive longer than we thought, and he felt good. But um, there will be some. But for most types of cancers, in our lifetime, I do believe we're going to be able to slow it, stop it, learn to live with it. But it won't kill us. I do believe we'll get there, and we're already seeing patients that. You just, they beat the odds hands down all the way through Mm -hmm. the timing, how they feel. And some have spontaneous remissions, but they are the ones that are spiritually connected. They've got all the dots connected. Some aren't to that level, but they've really beat the odds because they believe what they chose was going to work. That's the difference instead of somebody please save me and help me, I'm Mm. afraid. Those are the ones that don't do as well.
0: Dr. Denise, you are an extraordinary educator and empower and enlightener and I cannot thank you enough for your time today. I know that our whole audience will be wanting to reach out to you and it is something that you, I know you're an extremely busy lady, but your platforms are open and available to everyone across the globe to reach out to you and um, discover more of your your learnings and your insights and we'll put all of those links up uh, for the Aging Project listeners to grab hold of. So thank you very, very much for today's chat.
1: Thank you for the work that you're doing on your end too when I looked at what you guys have going on your side it's beautiful you know we're, we're just part of something beautiful and it's an honor to be part of people's journey it's just an honor Amen. And thank you for for your work as well
0: <laughs> thank you dr denise we'll speak to you soon You're welcome all right i found today's conversation so interesting it's reassuring to me that only two to three percent of cancers are actually genetic i think i'll begin by using dr denise's seven pillars to evaluate my health regularly And remember those pillars are sleep, body, bowel movement, energy, mental, relationships, and spiritual. What a great checklist. I'm also gonna take my sugar intake a little bit more seriously. And although I've cut it out, um, I'm sure there are still some foods in there where sugar slips on in without knowing. And of course, focus on eating the rainbow. And look, isn't it wonderful that we are hearing the same themes with all of our guests, which is really cutting down our to-do list. Stress, take that seriously. Music and meditation were mentioned and a spiritual practice, whatever that means for you. I encourage you to find a practice that is right for you. I hope today's conversation taught you something new and has you wanting to take greater ownership of your health. As always, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Shelley Kraft, and I will catch you again soon. The Aging Project is brought to you by Poly Studio. They're our go-to team for all things podcasting.